Boom, chapa, boom, chapa, boom, pa, boom. Can you go again? Boom, chapa, boom, pa, boom, boom. I might give you a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little. I'm kind of far away because I'm kind of trying to lean back and not have to be like this the whole show. I'm oh, trying to. Gotcha. That's kind of what I did last time. I think it worked. Oh, yeah. Now your waveforms are like. Are they good? Have you ever just seen a good pasta dish? Oh, yeah. That's what your waveforms look like. Oh, when you just nice. see an Italian man in a cummerbund bringing you out in <laughs> a weenie. I don't know. I prefer the uh, military dad haircut. Those are my favorite waveforms. <sighs> 800 to 1, baby. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he does pasta night as well. So I mean, every Tuesday. Oh, well, maybe we should go over there. It's Friday, Saturday. I think it's, it's Saturday. Dude, I know the days are so, like, fucking just confusing now with the whole quarantine. I'm like, it's March, I think. Has yeah. it been a year yet? <laughs> are, we, are we still in quarantine? Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, I'm still here. Great movie. Haven't seen it. Oh, it's it's depraved. Depravedly excellent. No, but back to, um, like, I know I want there to be a slow-mo, like, pan mm-hmm. across probably the soundcraft at the theater. Oh, that'd be cool. With, like, you know, the faders up and, like, signals signal going through it. So all the LED meters, yeah. like, a, like a, a slow-mo pan across that, probably fade into an analog, like, VU meter that's hitting the red, yeah. and then have my uh, VU mustache logo oh, that'd be like, cool as shit. fade into fade the in, foreground. Like, yeah, like super transpose it and mm-hmm. like then fully solidify it. That'd be cool. Yes. Uh, so speaking of intros, Backseat Playlist Podcast Episode 2, because I didn't introduce it last time, <laughs> nor did I ask you at all to promote yourself or any of your musical happenings which is my whole intent of starting this thing during the quarantine was like should probably get my friends out there Ah, who cares i'm not important (laughs) i I feel the same way about myself but we got pretty good feedback or i got pretty decent feedback i did too last episode my my friends and family said it didn't suck (laughs) we have been told that we were kind of funny I did no I did I did get one negative review and it wasn't it wasn't about our topics it was just I hear you and Adam talk all the time why do I want to listen to you guys in my car <laughs> I did kind of enjoy that feedback I'm like fair enough I yeah but <laughs> there was also no structure to that episode that was uh, just no, like can I, we get through a conversation without it being boring which I didn't think it was because I had to go back and yeah you went back mix, and edited it mixed it yeah. mixed it and edited it and because we had we had a really brilliant topic of conversation that we both f- mutually felt it was best to edit out. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe one day, maybe one day it'll it'll come out there when the world is ready. If this takes off and goes anywhere, like my thing is like, because I was talking to you earlier, like the hosting for it's kind of pricey mm-hmm. and stuff. So everyone's like, well, just like start a Patreon. And I was like, well, I don't want there to be nothing. And then be like, hey, give me a dollar a month. Yeah, so I you want to have a little this, bit like, of content. Still, for... like, so I'm not going to do that until I reach 20 episodes. Like if I can do 20 good episodes, I feel, of this. Yeah, and then you feel there's enough content could be like, worth. Hey, I've built this up enough. Like, giving money to, yeah. I'm not, you know, going to spend it on coffee and whatnot. Like it would literally just pay to. Keep the site running. Yeah, keep it going. Um but today's episode will have more structure, probably. <laughs> Until about 15 minutes in when my uh, coffee kicks in and I just derail the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to cut out about 35 minutes. I got a good rant today prepared. Do you? No. Okay. 
I mean, I always have rants prepared. <laughs> I don't ever prepare a rant. It just kind of takes off. Yeah, it's just a thought gets triggered and you're like, oh, oh, here we go. We are, you go from like being cool and then just your mind clicks and everything's just red. Yeah. And then all your friends leave, slowly start leaving the room and you don't even notice because you're just screaming at the top of your lungs about whatever issue it might be. I have a production story like that or I won't mention the artist, that I was like really looking forward to for a long time. I was like, this is going to be the gig, and this artist is going to be in-house for a while for like with rehearsals and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that particular artist was not very kind to me. Mm. And apparently when I tell this story, I just get louder and louder <laughs> and louder. Because <laughs> I get angrier and angrier. I was like, this, like, when I got the job working for who and where it would be performed at i was i saw that on the list i was like oh it's going down like, yeah this is awesome oh i can hear my snare rattling across <laughs> the room yeah and he just yelled at me for being in the hallway that i was supposed to be in as he was walking to the stage and i was like i understand you have a like a showtime but we did the little like hallway shuffle where mm -hmm. like we're both walking down the same side yeah you're like i'll wall. go left you go right now i'm gonna and go we left, both you go right, went yeah. the same side like twice and he just yelled uh get out of my effing way I was like, Jesus. Oh, 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 and like did the hand motion like chubby thing mm -hmm. and then i was in my position for the end of the show for teardown yelled at me again <laughs> i was like you just had roughly a thousand people cheering for you like how are you in that bad of a mood your mustache pissed him off. <laughs> Maybe he was intimidated. <laughs> Probably. You have a very intimidating set of facial hair. Thank you. Especially now that my bosses don't care what I look like. I think I, it, very, I think it, uh, it emasculates lesser men. <laughs> <laughs> he just shoved me out of pure jealousy. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a shove, but it, was, it wasn't pleasant. It was not pleasant. I'm going to tell all of my friends who you are and talk bad about you. And get progressively louder and louder. Every time. You need to slam a compressor on your focus. This is the quietest <laughs> I've been telling this story. Because I guess time heals all wounds. It's been, it's been long enough, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think once you, any, anytime you get into the customer service world, and I'll put the, the audio engineering world into customer service, oh, you know, and I think once you get into that world, you're, you're going to always have stories about some, some dickheads, you know? Yeah, it's just rare you get to, like, potentially meet, like, a rock and roll, like, icon, and I'm such a music nerd, as you know, which is what the next, however long this takes. Like, I'm fully prepared for the, today's episode to take two and a half to three hours. Like, I'm ready to dive deep. Well, you know, once we get exciting. past two hours, that's when I start billing you, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fully prepared. I have, you get two hours free, and then every hour after that is $500. Solid. <laughs> Maybe I'm starting that Patreon after episode two. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we got to pay for Phoenix's time. So today's episode is going to be exciting for me because we've had, we've never had this conversation in a linear fashion. Yeah. Whereas like we've always talked about music that you and I enjoy, but we've never broke it down to like, it started with this, progressed to this, and now here's why I like what I like. And like just really reverse engineering our entire music taste and, and, ability yeah that explained it to people clearly i gotta turn this the wires on the snare off it's driving me crazy <laughs> we'll probably just oh, this is getting edited out all right we're back we're back sorry about that 
you'll probably hear an edit but what happened was because i'm a drummer i left the bottom wires on my snare drums on or the snare wires of my snare drums on and when i spoke loud enough i could hear it rattle and it was driving me insane <laughs> two hours of snare rattling perfect well we've definitely done gigs together where i've left my snare like i've had the wires pressed up against the head like on in the on position in the car ride oh yeah and, and it's, it's just, just rattling the whole time oh I, I real quick side story involving that um i have a tiny little like air pump for like a air mattress or like like you know like a inflatable inner tubes like to go rafting and stuff like that I have a tiny one in the back of my car and I was driving to Baltimore the other day I was about 10 minutes into my drive and I hit a bump and it turned the air pump on and it was all the way in the back like the back of my trunk and so I couldn't reach it even at a stoplight and so this thing was going for like 30 minutes and I was on the highway and I was like I don't really want to pull over on the side of the highway right now and so I've just got this air pump just just going and going and going it was it was quite annoying. You also have another good air pump story that involves you trying to sleep while recording a record. Oh our, my god! Our good yeah. friend Jim Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to share that story? Yeah, we'll kick it off and then we'll. So we did. Uh, my my band Marzy Maddox did a recording session at a studio, and our good friend uh, Jim was a part of it. He was helping us produce it. And at the end of the night, we wrapped everything up and we go upstairs. And so we're all, we're all crashing in one of like the, the, the kind of the living space area in the studio. And Jim's got an air mattress, but uh, it's apparently got a hole in it. And so for about two hours until I finally just blacked out in unconsciousness, we hear the air mattress deflating. Then Jim pumping the air mattress up. Sorry, guys. And this goes on for about an hour, just back and forth, deflate, inflate, deflate, inflate. Oh, my God. It was, it was horrible. Beautiful. Okay. So topic of discussion is we're going to go from our first memories with music mm -hmm. up until present. Okay. And I was really excited while texting you about this. I know. You, so, I, you used a I? lot more uh, punctuation than normal. I'm kind of a run-on texter. Yeah, and you actually used a lot of exclamation points, and it was it was quite enjoyable. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. All right, you want to start us off then? I don't know how to start it. It was just so... I structured it in my mind, and now I'm totally drawing a blank on like how to how to dive into this. Yeah, that happens. So I guess it started like really for me as when I was a child, like small, like three... No. Oh. Maybe not three, but the preschool, kindergarten kind of era. Like, I've always just loved music. Um, I got a steady <laughs> dose of, like, the classics. So it was always Tom Petty's greatest hits, Phil Collins' greatest hits, and then I got a steady dose of Bruce Springsteen from my grandfather, who, fun story about Bruce Springsteen, his nickname is The Boss. Everyone yeah, calls him The Boss. The Boss. When I was a small child, I thought that he was actually my grandfather's boss. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what you do, but because my grandfather was like, I swear he was like the musician that never was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a generational, like he was born in the fifties. So I don't know if it was just parents were like, you're not playing instruments and because this is like the, I, like the Dewey Cox, like this is the devil's music. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, I just want to hold her hand. <laughs> I, 
I guess that's a true thing that current musicians kind of take for granted that like I could listen to straight up like black metal and not many people would bat an eye at it. Yeah. Like not people, as much as like 50 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Like even some of my favorite bands now, like if, if you played that in the fifties, like you would be exiled from the community. Oh, yeah, you'd be burned at the stake. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it was just, he never got encouraged to pursue it or if he wasn't allowed to. Yeah. Um, but ma- like I, that's where I think I get the music nerdery from because mm-hmm. I just remember being a kid and he had like the box DVD sets of of Petty and Phil Collins and Bruce Springsteen. So like he just always had the music videos on. So I think my first attraction to music was through music videos. Yeah. You had someone that was super passionate about yeah. it that really kind of influenced your love for it. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, this is something that's really special and magical. And look how my, look how happy and excited my grandfather gets. Like this must mean a lot. And so you pay a attention and it grew to be something that you loved as well yeah and then he would always take me down because we live at my grandparents whose house you've been at so they live up on the hill and the the school bus would pick me up at the bottom of the hill Mm -hmm. so my mom and grandmother would be gone for work in the morning so he would take me down drop me off to the bus so we were always listening to music and i had this random flashback the other day of i was sitting in his car and it was really cool because I was a kid and he would just let me sit in the front seat. He's like, ah, oh, we're going down the road. <laughs> uh, but there was a radio station that would do a a daily like trivia thing called the Time Tunnel where they would play a snippet of a song or talking about an event and you had they would give you three... They would sometimes give you an option of what year it was or on, I think, like Fridays, you would call in and you could win money or a free lunch or something mm-hmm. or whatever. I think we may have actually won it once and we got like a free lunch or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it was like always fun because it was always just like music trivia and stuff like that. So yeah. I, that, I think at the the core of it, like that's where it always started. Because he had like a Genesis Live DVD. Oh, awesome. And I was just like, I was like, wow, like these guys look like they're having fun. Yeah, I, I remember this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit in my timeline, but I do. I remember my seeing my first live DVD concert, you know. It was um, Van Halen. They were doing their 5150 album, um, so Sammy Hagar and stuff like that. And I, that's the first live performance I ever recall seeing, you know, on DVD and seeing these guys and being like, because it's, it's such a different thing hearing it, just hearing it, you know, and you're like, okay, I've seen guitars, like, I've seen the instruments, but then to see these guys actually perform yeah. and just seeing how crazy they were. Like, I remember there's this one part where I think Sammy Hagar climbs up, like, goes up on this, like, um, hanging balcony or something like that, and he's, like, singing, and Eddie's up there shredding the guitar, and I was just like holy crap, this is, this is insane. And then there's one part where Eddie puts, he's got his headless guitar. I think it was a Steinberger. I might be wrong on that. I'm not sure when he was playing those, but it was a headless. And he had his cigarette where the, where the headstock should be on the guitar. Yeah. So he's shredding the guitar, tapping, and then he leans over and he smokes the cigarette. And I was just like, these guys are insane. Like, and not to mention their outfits at the time, because that was the oh, yeah. 80s. So I mean, the tight, bright pants, it was just like, what is this? This is crazy. Yeah, I think for me, it was um, the collection of, uh, Tom Petty's greatest hits like they had the CD but then they also released the, all the music videos that he did for those songs along with it mm-hmm. and man he had some crazy videos like I don't know if it started just because in my grandparents basement like the the man cave that was like his room that had like where he would hang out and watch movies and it had the pool table and all that was like right next to like what was my childhood like playroom mm-hmm. so if it was just like if I go a room further like I'm being exposed to all of this stuff but he was definitely a, a key figure 
in the music, like the interest in music. Yeah. But if I had to peg it down to one thing, it was the music video for Tom Petty's Running Down a Dream. Oh, yeah. Whereas I was a child running down a drain. <laughs> but I, I think it was appealing because it's a, it's animated. It's a cartoon. Yeah. So it, it's, I guess, attractive to the eyes of a child. Yeah, it really probably caught your eye and made a big impact because that was something that you could you could relate to. Yeah, and it's still a top five song to me all time. Like I, I hate the top five or top ten thing. What really sparked this is that I don't know if you've seen it going around on Facebook, but I got tagged in one of those like post one album cover a day for the next ten days, like no explanations, just post it. Yeah. But I'm such a nerd for this crap that like I have to if music comes up or a record that I love comes up in conversation, like I have to tell everybody everything I know about it or everything that I feel about it. Yeah, and you're like, oh, Facebook won't let me post that many characters, so no, I need to talk about it. <laughs> but I have a forum that gives me unlimited amount of time to talk about. So I, I just think it would be, I just thought it would be interesting to to break down why we like what we like. Yeah. So for me, it definitely started with all the the classic rock stuff. Awesome. But then at the same time, um because my, my parents and aunts are, are, are younger than most people's parents and, and aunts. Um, my, like, my uncle and my mom were also really into, like, Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening to all this classic rock stuff, and then new metal, I guess? I, I, I don't really know how to classify Rage. But they were, like, I was super into them in kindergarten. Yeah. Because that, that was the first CD I ever bought was the censored version of Battle of Los Angeles. And my uncle took me to Sam Goody. Huh? And I spent like birthday money or allowance. Like, I don't remember, but I bought a Star Wars game for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And the censored version of Rage Against the Machines Battle of Los Angeles. And I just remember slapping it down on the counter and the the clerk at Sam Goody just being very confused. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just, I don't know if you've ever seen a small, like, small child confidence. Oh, yeah. It You're was like, that. Oh, that was, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add? Because I'll ramble on about this shit for hours. Oh, yeah. You want me to start off with my, yeah. with my beginnings? Um, so, yeah, the, the first record I can truly remember being into um, was Goo Goo Dolls' uh, Dizzy Up the Girl. That's the first record that I truly remember making a big impact on me. You know, I can remember. Um, like, how old were you? I think that record came out in 98, maybe. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think that record came out in 98. Yeah, September 22nd, 1998. So um, yeah, so I was like two years old. And I, I, I know that's really young, but I vividly remember listening to that. You know, I might not, I might, my memory might be when I was a little bit older because that record got spun into, into oblivion. You yeah. know, I do remember like... Um, uh, do you remember? Do you know Rafi, the child kid singer? You're like baby beluga mm-hmm. in the. You know I can remember listening to that, but my my first real foray was was Google Google Dolls Dizzy Up the Girl, um, because my parents. Um, one of the things that I, I've really appreciated about them is that they they love kind of staying up to date on modern music and not in the. They're very hip. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's, that's a really like cheesy word to use. But yes, they're very hip. And it's not like, a, oh, we got to stay cool. It's just they're, they're music lovers. And that's yeah. where I get it from. It's just they're, they listen to music all the time. Every time we got in the car, it was, let's listen to music. Um, because we used to drive down to my grandparents' house in, in Virginia, which is like five hours away. And so it would be like, we got five hours. Let's, let's listen to music. Um, and so, 
you know, and that was the first time I really started singing too. Gotcha. So for those of you that don't don't know me, I am a singer in in my band. Um, and you know, my mom tells me stories about. Remember sitting, like hearing me in the back seat start singing these songs and being like, "Whoa!" and being like, "Wow, he's really connected to this." Um, you know, my favorite song off that album when I was a little kid was "January Friend." Like when that song would come on, I'd start just yelling in the back seat at like probably at that point I was like five or six. So we'd have been spinning that record for a while. So that was the that was the birth of my my love for music was the Goo, Goo Dolls. But then I also remember. Um, you know, my parents playing Van Halen. You know, my dad loves Van Halen. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? And so that was that was a big influence. I've the seen 5150. the 150. Have you really? Uh-huh. Cool and the Gang opened. Oh, wow. Cool and the Gang musically was better. Oh, really? I don't know if it was just Van Halen was on an off night. I mean, I saw I them mean, in I've, like 2011. Yeah, I've 10. heard that they're, they're kind of... It's like it's cool, but it's like a lot of the heritage acts now. I saw them way now. too late. Yeah. yeah, you know, if we could go back cool. to the seventies or eighties oh, and yeah. see in them, their prime. Like, oh my god! You I know? was just bummed because they played Hot for Teacher, but they didn't do the Tom intro. He just went uh, right what? into the oh. you know the main kind yeah, of the main. ride. Mm-hmm. Like it was cool, but like as a me as a drummer for people who don't know, like that's what. Yeah, that part like it's like the, the opening of the song. It's like oh, iconic. here we go. I had another memory pop in my head. Speaking of just like always watching like. Uh, classic rock music videos and live concerts. My grandfather loved The Who. Okay, yeah. I remember being a kid and I had like a plastic Toys R Us brand acoustic guitar and in true Pete Townsend fashion, one day I was just, I put the VHS in, hit play and was goofing along with it. I smashed it. (laughs) Oh my God. In my grandmother's basement on the the brick lining of the fireplace. I remember it. Yeah, it was... (laughs) <laughs> it was rock and roll from birth. Rock and roll, baby. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, but some of the other notable artists that I remember um, was my dad also is a huge Alice in Chains fan. Um, and so growing up listening to Alice in Chains, it used to scare me when I was a kid. You know, I mean, it's so dark. And but like, yeah. I just I heard enough that I started being like, whoa, this is really awesome. But my mom, my mom loves all this stuff, too. That was the other thing, too, is they both had very similar music tastes and were both very open to a lot of stuff. And I remember when I was really little, so like around like five or six, they would also they also loved Alison Krauss. Okay. And I used to confuse them. I didn't know the difference between Alice in Chains and Alice in Krauss, who, if you don't know, are very, very different artists. Um, and so I would sometimes be like, can we listen to Alice in Krauss? And they'd put Alice in Krauss and I'd be like, this isn't, what, what is this? And, you know, it took me I have a, one of those too. a couple of years. When I was really small, uh, the Three Doors Down song Kryptonite was just blowing up the radio station. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know, you're a kid. You're like, oh, they're singing about Superman. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. cool. So I remember being with, it was, I don't think my mom and Joe were married yet. Like, I think they were still dating or engaged. And we went to a record and tape traders. Oh, yeah. And I found Goldfinger's Hang Ups. Mm-hmm. And they have the song called Superman. And I was like, oh, it's that song. <laughs> it's that song. <laughs> so I, 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 I got it. And I put it in. And I was like, this is not the song I wanted, <laughs> but I like it. So I'm like. A sm- again, a small child buying a, a ska punk record. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what, what is this? And later on in life, they would become a band that was very influential to me. It's Because I spent all day yesterday in my head and in the notes section of my phone just like reverse engineering all this stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, I've never taken a step back to look at yeah, all of it. Yeah, at the it, development, the progress of how it all came to be where yeah. you are now. Because I remember also being a child, um, I talked about it earlier about um, having like 
my my video game room next to where all the music's playing from. But you and me are probably the first generation of people to have their taste of music influenced by video games. And I know for me, oh, yeah. that's 100% true because um, I would always get the Tony Hawk's games. Oh, yeah, and those had and everything on it. The most important piece of music to me of all time is the soundtrack to Tony Hawk's Underground, the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not a super materialistic, sentimental person anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to be like, I would hold on to anything that had recollection, and I'm just trying to lessen and lessen that because it's just, you just build it up a lot of stuff to that just you're keep all this like stuff. That. But that's the one. Like I still have the original one. Oh yeah, it was a super and, like, important red marker. I took the little thing out of the case and I wrote my name on it. Like <laughs> I, it, it's in the wall behind you in a stack of DVDs and like a shoebox somewhere. But oh, that's awesome. like that's more important to me than the Rage Against the Machine censored version. Yeah, but I also remember being a kid and like, because you know, mom and Joe were younger than us when they started dating. Mm-hmm. So I was six, and they're all. 22-ish. Mm-hmm. I think my math like adds up there. And like one of Joe's friends, I guess on the Tony Hawk on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, which I remember playing, but I don't remember it specifically. Like that had Fight Like a Brave by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I apparently spun all the time, but I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so one of Joe's friends burned me a Red Hot Chili Peppers, like, mix CD. Mm-hmm. So that was the first CD anyone ever, like, gifted to me. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I was going to make a point about the uh, the Tony Hawk thing. Uh, maybe I might be wrong here. I might be assuming. But was that kind of your first experience of listening to uh, to music that no one else had played for you before? Like, that yep. was your first personal experience with finding music? Yeah, I was going to transition into that after this backstory. Because all this stuff is just coming to me, and it's exciting. Yeah. Um, I also remember, like, my uncle made me a like a Metallica mix CD when I was like six. And it's weird because that Metallica and the Chili Peppers I was really into as a kid, but when like I started discovering music, I shied away from them. Yeah. I just started respecting the Red Hot Chili Peppers like three weeks ago because <laughs> I used to be a huge hater, as you know. I still don't. <laughs> I don't... I enjoy them now, but I, I don't... I don't get the mega fandom of yeah. them. Yeah. I... To me, they're a more commercially acceptable primus, almost. Yeah, but, I kind of know what you mean, yeah. Like, the average person's not going to like primus, which I'm a huge fan of, just because oh, yeah, they're primus. weird. Les Claypool's insane. And I mean, I think everybody's a fan of primus, and they don't know it. Primus, to If me you is like just, South Park, you like primus, because the theme song to South Park was done by Les Claypool. Yeah. Well, the thing I like about them is that, like, they're so musically good that their lyrics are just a joke. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Going back to like being a kid, the the soundtrack to Tony Hawk's Underground was the first like time I discovered music, which is why I think I really respect all the classics. Like Tom Petty's still big on me. Like to me, he's one of my favorites. Phil Collins, like Spring, like all of them, I love and respect. But they've always been there. Mm-hmm. Like I never discover. Like you don't discover Stairway to Heaven these days. Like it's yeah. just. It's just it's there. there. You've heard on the radio. Everyone's talked about it. You've heard it at Guitar Center. Like, and I'm not knocking it. Like, no, it's still yeah. an amazing song. But, but that that moment in in someone's life where they discover something for themselves is like the most important thing, you know, because that really then gives you your identity as what you like. Yeah, it was Armageddon by Alkaline Trio, which oh, we've amazing. seen live, and they played it live. I highly, highly recommend you go see Alkaline Trio, even if you don't know any of their songs. Like, I. 
I had heard a couple of their songs and I digged them. And then Adam was like, yo, dude, you want to go to the show with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so he, he gave me the list of the, the, the important songs to listen play- to. I think it was just the playlist. Yeah, you put the playlist the, the set list. I looked up the set list and I was like, this is what they're going to play. Just yeah, and oh my God. I, if that was a CD, it was on my phone, but if that was a CD, that CD would have been destroyed because I listened to that nonstop. And when we went to the show, I still didn't know all the lyrics to every song. But they were just so good and so tight. It was amazing. Like you will, if go see them. If you, anybody out there gets the chance, go see them. You will not regret it. Yeah, because the Tony Hawk games was all just it's just punk rock, heavier rock, and like I looked back like through it, and there's like hip hop that I discovered later in life that I started liking because I, I never really liked it uh, initially outside of the Beastie Boys. Um, yeah, all all the artists that I like are on that. Mm-hmm. Like. It's insane that that one piece of media like defined my existence through and through. Like, because if I didn't get that game, I probably don't want to start playing music later on in life. Yeah. Well, and I think also because I mean, most of that music was coming out at that time period yeah. too. It was the relevant music, and so I think even though I mean, how old were you when that? How old were you when that game came out? I think first grade. So around like I think six, I was in first seven, grade. maybe yeah. eight. I don't, I don't know. The, the, but um, so even though necessarily we weren't, you know, living in our outside world, it yet, didn't we weren't define our own me. I think because I think I, you can't understand. Like you don't yeah. understand it. You but don't that even was, understand it when you start to identify with it later yeah. on. It like, but I think it's. In, I think it's interesting that like because the same thing for me. Like my first, I'll get into my first discovery. But like, I, and it's gonna kind of be in the same vein as what you what you said but I think it's kind of interesting that like that that moment for us was discovering music that was actually current as well yeah and I think because I think it kind of even though we were so young and we didn't have any understanding of the world I think it kind of hit a point in us where it was like oh this is this is my music this is my period this is not my parents time this is not my grandparents time of what they always do this is this is me this is what the world is right now that I'm living in yeah. and whether we fully consciously knew that or not I think mm-hmm that happened. And so for me, I remember, you know, all that stuff that I mentioned, like the Google Dolls, Alice in Chains, um, Van Halen, that was all, my parents showed me that stuff. And I remember the first, first album, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for this because I know right now they're, um, they're blowing up on Twitter. But, uh, the first record that I ever said, uh, when I went up to my dad and said, dad, can you take me to Walmart? I have birthday money. I had birthday money to go buy it. I remember being in my parents' room and my mom had just turned the TV on and I found MTV. This was an MTV was still doing their music videos and stuff like that. And the song Headstrong by Trapped came on. And I was just like, what? I had never heard anything like that. You know, it was, it was crazy. Oh, one of my, one of my ears just died. Oh, well. Um, and I remember hearing that song and just being like, oh my God. And so I remember that came on and then, you know, we would be in the car and that song would come up and be like, mom, mom, you got to check out this song. It's crazy. Um, and then I remember being in Colorado. My, my grandma had, my mom's mom, grandma had just passed away. And so we flew to, to Denver, Colorado to go visit with my grandpa. Um, my parents helped him arrange stuff. And I remember my mom was going to help my grandpa do some stuff. So my dad decided, hey, let's go out. Let's go out in Denver. And so we went to the Walmart in Denver. And he was like, you said you had some birthday money and you wanted to get a CD, right? And so I found the, uh, the Trap CD. Um, I don't remember what it text. I don't. Is it, it might be self-titled, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and so I, we bought that and it was, uh, I remember it had the parental advisory sticker on it and we went up to the counter and I set it down and the guy then looked at my dad and was like, now this does have a parental advisory on it. And my dad's like, dude, I don't care, it's music, let him get it. Yeah. And so how dad, old are you 
Um, around the same age, like seven. I want to say like yeah, six or seven. I okay. think that record came out in two thousand three, so I was probably seven years old. Um, and putting that on, and that was that was my first record, you know. Mm. And so that was that was a real big game changer for me. That was my moment of discovery. Of I heard this myself, you know, on the TV. I saw the music video for it, and it just clicked with me. Another one for me around the same time um, that isn't exactly as correlated, like. You know, if, if I talk about the Tony Hawk games, people are going to assume I'm into, like, skateboarding and, and punk rock, which I was and to some extent still am to this day. All That's Left by Thrice was the opening menu track on Madden 2003 or 4, whichever one had Michael Vick on the cover. Oh, yeah. Like, I think my uncle bought it for me for PlayStation because he wanted to just play it too. Yeah. But the opening, like that guitar swell and then the that drum beat kicked in such a great song such a great record yeah everyone who knows me knows that that's probably the most important band to me oh yeah yeah i would say no we, we talked about it last time i don't need to justify it like i could dedicate three episodes just to talking about that band in particular but it's just weird that all this cool like classified as like new age heavier and emo music was in on the sports games because i remember uh the quiet things that no one ever knows by brand new was on like one of the tiger woods games oh yeah i remember i remember brand new that was crazy when those guys came on the scene yeah it's just weird to think how one sort of of media and new technology influenced me to who mm -hmm. I am and just like these weird coincidental things. Did that... you ever play the WWE games like SmackDown versus Raw? I remember like the music on those. I, I honestly I can't I would think like Three Days Grace. Like I remember that it was being all on heavier. there. I um, yeah. didn't know it at the time, but I got like one of the ATV like Off-Road Fury games. Yeah. Duality by Slipknot was the loading menu music. Yeah, like all this heavy music that like today is not as mainstream or popular was like the mainstream on all these games. It's weird how being just a kid and and the the entertainment forms that you choose as a child like actually influence you later on in life like mm -hmm. going back it's just weird yeah because i remember like also at that time when i first started like discovering music like i was really into lincoln park when i was in like second and third grade oh yeah me too those were that was huge hybrid theory and Meteor meteora were two of my favorite like elementary school records i had a cky shirt <laughs> in like second yes. and third grade so Dude, i loved cky I saw them actually a couple years ago. They opened up for him, which is a band that I'll get into later on. Um, but that was crazy. Yeah, I just remember getting this shirt and my mom being like, you can't wear this to school. <laughs> like, okay, but like they're in the skateboarding games and I like the skateboarding games. Yeah, I don't know many sets of parents who would buy their child a CKY shirt. Did it? What did it say on it? It, I, it, think just it CKY, I think it just said right? CKY and then just had like a picture of them. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even... The only song I knew by them was 96 Quite Bitter Beings because it was on the Tony Hawk games yeah. and Bam Margera was my favorite skateboarder as yeah, a child. Yeah, that song was on like a ton of games. It's historic. Like, yeah. it, they might kind of be a one-hit wonder. I mean, they're culty if you were like heavy into skateboarding, but like... Oh, they're a super culty band. I didn't know, I didn't know what it stood for at the yeah. time. Like, I just knew, I'm like, this is my favorite song on the skateboarding game because mm -hmm. I was six or seven. I thought it was fucking cool though oh, like yeah. at family functions i would wear oh <laughs> you're like i'm badass Dude, man you guys have no idea <laughs> my mom is in the tony hawk game she <laughs> likes me she bought me tony hawk shorts <laughs> <laughs> Why shirt? oh my gosh level. but um 
I got another, and I got another group, another artist that really was impactful to me, and uh, it kind of diverges heavily from uh, the the stuff that I'm currently doing it into. But I remember, like, growing up as a kid in elementary school, the Backstreet Boys. I was obsessed with the Backstreet Boys, and so was my my cousin. My cousin was like two years older than me. And like me and him loved those records. They were just such catchy songs. They I were like amazing. them now. That was, I'd say that was really the main source of pop music that I listened to was like the Backstreet Boys. But I also listened to, I remember like getting into elementary school and like waking up in the mornings and watching like VH1 and MTV like before school. Um, they do like their video countdowns. And I remember really being into uh, Teddy Geiger. Um, he kind of like looks and sounds a little bit like John Mayer, but was a little more poppy. Okay. Um, not familiar, I don't think. He had a, uh, what was that song? I don't remember what it was called, but he had he did like one CD and then kind of disappeared because he was like 17 when he did it. And so that was really cool to me, like as a kid seeing. He played all the instruments on the record for the most part. Like he played the drums, the bass, the guitars. I don't think he did some of the extra stuff, but he was the main musician. He was like 17 and did all this stuff. And I just thought that was really impressive and really cool. So those were kind of my forays into pop was... Um, you know, not a, a lot of the stuff that was, like, super, like, radio mainstream. Like, I right. wasn't into, like, Rihanna and Usher and all those people that were out then. I, I respect them, and I, I do like some Usher songs. Like, Let It Burn is one of my one of my favorite, like, R&B songs. But um, I was really into, like, the, the, the boy bands. Like, I loved Boys to Men and Backstreet Boys. I just, I thought that, like, having a collection of multiple voices singing these layered harmonies, although I didn't know what it was. harmonies were at the time, but I just thought listen to this sound, this is crazy, you know, and hearing multiple vocal lines going at once, it was just like, it really helped quiet the noise in my brain to have all this stuff to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, and I hinted at it earlier, like, I distinctively remember being a kid, and like, in the air tonight would come on, like the radio or whatever, and I'm just waiting the whole time for the For fill, the park, like, yeah, the fill. Because it does that, like, distorted... The uh, fill fill. Like, it, well, I know, like, once the voice gets distorted and weird and mm -hmm. echoey, like, it's on. <laughs> Here it, it comes. It, still to this day, it's probably why I'm a drummer. I just thought that was so cool. Because oh, yeah. I remember that being, like, I'm primarily a self-taught drummer that, that didn't happen until later. Well, my aunt joined the military when I was a kid, like, in the Army. Mm -hmm. Someone that was in, like, basic training with, I don't distinctly remember, like, rented out. Uh, actually, the back room from my grandparents' house, too. Like, he slept down there. But he had a drum kit. Oh, wow. And he just left it when he moved out. Mm-hmm. And it, I inherited it. So that was your first drum kit? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And I didn't unbox it until, like, it went away when I was a kid, and it didn't go away. Or it didn't um, get pulled out until years later. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, it's just these weird that's, that's coincidental really wild, yeah. things. Yeah, I, I forgot about that, man. I did sell that drum kit. Uh, There's part of me that's like, eh. Yeah, it's that kind of sentimental thing, but it also depends on, like, if it was a piece of crap, it's kind of like, Yeah, I don't know. it was just, just a black CB drum kit. Yeah. Drums are just hard to hold on to, because yeah. they take up so much space. Like, if, yeah, like, if he left so me, like, space. a Squire Stratocaster, and I was a guitar player, like, I wouldn't sell that. But Yeah, it, it, like you can it, easily put that in a box somewhere. And, yeah, like, and, you can fit that in a closet. Like, yeah. drums, are, you have to commit to keeping. Yeah, but I remember... Um, so I then remember starting to get into a little bit more of the a majority. Of, though I also know oh another big, big influence, and my first real crush as a kid, Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. Oh my God! I we would that first record that she did that came out it had Skater Boy, Complicated. I thought she was the coolest person ever. I was like, I wanted like that. She we were third, fourth grade at this point because we're the same age. Yeah. 
I, I want to say her first record came out when we were like in first or second grade. Okay, maybe. I, I think. I might I, be it's wrong all. On that. It's kind of a blur. I'm trying to piece it together yeah. at this point as linear as possible, but it's coming back to me mm-hmm. like it's. Well, for me, it's it's hard to distinct because I said last time my second and third grade class was in the same room with the same teacher with the same classmate. Yeah, and so you're like, uh, so what, what time? There's is really this? no distinction between the two but for me. Those albums were just like were huge to me because. It was like one, like just, I connected a little bit. You know, I was still young, but I definitely like kind of started, that was my first time I think I really started like consciously connecting to lyrics, you know, not in like a super deep way, like I, like I am now, I was yeah. so young, but I started recognizing like, oh, I feel this way, or I understand this, you know, like I could understand what she was talking about to an extent. Um, and then also then it was just like, that was my first time really idolizing someone or looking at a celebrity or a musician and being like, oh my God, they are so amazing. Because at that time, all the bands that I listened to, like Alice in Chains and, and Trapped, I didn't, I didn't know any of the members. I didn't know who they were. You know, I'd seen videos, but like Avril Lavigne was the first time that like I could identify and see this person and be like, oh my God, look how amazing they are. And had that, then that, that fandom for a particular person. I think... Mom and Joe got married when I was in third grade. Their wedding gift to me was I got like a cup that had my childhood nickname on it, which is holds all my pens now mm-hmm. in my room. Or maybe I put it away. It's somewhere. <laughs> and uh, the turning point for me, I got the uncensored version, probably unintentionally, <laughs> of Green Day's American Idiot. Oh, yeah. And that, like, I was a nerdy punk rock kid from <laughs> that point up until now. <laughs> Dude, I think everybody... I gave that record a spin last night. I was like, I people are, the quote, cool, unquote people who are listening right now are like, that record's so good. It is. It is a really good record. I remember when that came out, like everybody was listening to that. I know, I, I think I do remember though, like kind of hearing years later that like a lot of diehard Green Day fans were not into it as much because it did kind of go more poppy I, that's a loose term it's to use. their last good record yeah but that's a good record but yeah i mean i think everybody our age was listening to that you know everybody like knew those songs i had my headphones on in my green sony portable dvd player in the back of mom and joe's car just oh yeah ripping yeah that was that was a really great album i but i remember I think I remember for me, though, that record was definitely more of just one of those fun records that I loved listening to. I didn't really have an emotional response uh, see, or connection. for me, it was defining. Yeah. And it, for me, it wasn't, like I, which is kind of surprising, because I did, I did listen to that record all the time. Like, when that record came out, I listened to that nonstop. But I, I, can, I do remember, though, not really having that like deep emotional connection yet with that, with that record. But that was the first time, like watching visual media and like seeing what people look like mm-hmm. i also remember like being around that time was like when audio slave got together and oh, they yeah. uh, for the most part look fairly normal mm-hmm. i remember being a kid and like mom my mom and my uncle like loving tom morello and i thought he was this cool like classic rock guy and then he's just like <laughs> this weird sort of nerdy looking bald guy and i was like that's not the guy who's doing the thing like it's <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like okay kind of disappointing but like I, you're used to seeing like at that point as a kid and with my like steady dose of classic rock music videos, like fairly normal looking dudes. Yeah. And then like, I, I remember like one of the music videos for American idiot was like debuting on and I saw what they looked like and Mm -hmm. I was like, 
oh, <laughs> that's me. Because they had like the eyeliner and the like the fucking tattoos and like all oh, yeah. black with the with the different ties. And I was like, yeah, like, that's, that's, that's the look. I want. Mm-hmm. I want to be that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I remember, I remember I like, uh, they look, they look like the guy that I make on the skateboarding game. Like that, <laughs> that's a. Did you, uh, did you get into Good Charlotte when they came out? No. no, that was. I think those guys. Honestly, I connected more to them than I did Green Day. I remember when that Good Charlotte album first came out, and it had like the anthem on it and all that. And that that record was really awesome. I remember seeing those guys and being like, uh, kind of the same response, like the black hair, the eyeliner, the tattoos, the punk outfits was like. Oh yeah, that kind of also tied in with like my love for Avril Lavigne because she'd wear like the punk skater girl You're clothes. Definitely more and I just thought pop like, punk oriented than I am. Where I, mm-hmm. I guess I'm more of a skate punk guy. Yeah, definitely. Like musically, and that that's my skate punk phase. Surprisingly, didn't hit until after I was over skateboarding. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Like that didn't hit me until high school, and we'll we'll get to that because after elementary school was then middle school, which was when. Well, also in elementary school, like fourth and fifth grade was like when the Guitar Hero games were coming out. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, I just, it popped in my head. I remember being really into the Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes as a kid. I never got into the White Stripes. I was Stripes. always a weird kid who would just like, I'm still that guy to this day where like, I'll find a song that I like and I'll just listen to it all day. Oh, yeah. So I just remember like, I had the Elephant record. Didn't care for any of the other songs at that point, but seven, like Seven Nation Army. I remember mm-hmm. being really little and like liberate by Disturbed. Oh yeah, it was like, oh. I remember Disturbed. That was more of my middle school years. I may have peaked in elementary school. <laughs> like, think about like second and third grade. That was my prime. I was good mm-hmm. at baseball. It was <laughs> all this cool music, and it all just went to shit. It all went that. downhill. I think so. I think I might start to transition us now to the next stage. But um, so I do remember my last, the last band that I can really think of that made a huge impact on me, like in my elementary school era years, probably towards the end of elementary school, was Three Days Grace. Yep. Um, I remember pain uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, the home. whole the whole home one uh, the one X album. Uh-huh. You know, that was the one that I really loved, and that's that was kind of then that was the point then where I'd say my music taste my music taste started blossoming more into the quote unquote heavier. Yep. rock slash metal at same, that point no, same with me yeah at that up until that point i was very diverse you know like i said like i love the backstreet boys avril lavigne trapped good charlotte like a lot of different kind of mixture of stuff and then i found three days grace and at that point then then heading into middle school mm-hmm. um i remember really like the first i remember sixth grade the band that i got super into and it's a funny story about this so i remember being i'm gonna jump back real quick but i remember being like five or six and my parents bought this album and it was a black cover and on the front, it had this white skull, and I think it had bat wings on it, and it was Waking the Fallen by Avenged Sevenfold. Um, that record had just come out, and I remember listening to that in the car as a kid. My parents had bought this record, and I was like, what is this? This is freaky, because the harmonic minor that those guys do, the, the synced up solos, the screams, his voice, it was so spooky. Chapter four was in Madden. Yeah, yeah. And the I remember, fucking drum fill. Still oh, can't dude. do it to this day. So I remember being really, really young, and my parents loved that record. And then City of Evil came out, and they were obsessed with that. My mom, still to this day, loves that band and loves that record. And it's really funny. I tell a lot of people that, like, yeah, my parents are the ones that listen to Avenged Sevenfold, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, they were obsessed with that band. And so then, but I was not really into it. But then I remember in middle school, I think a friend of mine, uh, Jordan, I remember him talking about Avenged Sevenfold. And I was like, oh yeah, my parents like that band. And of course he was like, what? what? 
We're trying and, to be cool here. Yeah, and, and so I remember going home and finally being like, okay, so I burned, I took the CDs and we had a, we had a computer and the, the tower had a, a CD burner in it, so, or a CD burner slash yeah. ripper. And so I put, I found, I was like, Ma, where those, uh, that band Avenged, where are those CDs? She's like, oh, here they are. So I put them in the computer, burned them, and I think I put them on my, uh, my little MP3 player at the time. It was not an iPod, it was some just like little knockoff yeah. thing. And I just started listening to those. I'd be listening to those albums while doing my homework, and I fell in love. It just, it clicked. There was just something about then, like, when I hit sixth grade, that was, I think, when I really started to kind of wake up to the world and wake up kind of to who I was and start realizing, like, huh, like, I don't really connect. Like, I was in sports. You know, I was a sports guy through and through. And I think that was when I started really realizing, like, I don't connect to these guys as much, you know, like... Mm-hmm. They're my friends, but like, there's something that's just kind of missing. Like, I don't think that they're feeling the same way that I feel. You know, I started having yeah, these feelings weird that I didn't really understand. How diverse your friend group is when you're before you have any sort of like self identity. Oh yeah, you just hang out with anybody that will, like, will play whatever games with you. Like, yeah. I had friends that we'd be nerdy and play Yu-Gi-Oh, and then I had my sports friends. Like, but then once I st- once I got invincible, that's when I was like, this band is making me feel like some certain way. It it's was like uh, Nirvana for me. I actually, it was it was rock band came out and I got it uh, for whatever age I turned in sixth grade. We got rock band. Oh, nice! And I remember like because you would have to play the sets, and if you didn't play them good enough in the group, you would just have to keep replaying them. Like we just kept we yeah. kept having to play in bloom. Oh, great! But song. then it was like it was that, and I was like, Ooh, I like this band. Oh, that that drum intro, but chaka chaka, just yeah. so huge. Uh, so that was defining for me, and then like also at the same time in sixth grade, like. Because of rock band, I got really into like Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. So I like I had an Iron Maiden T-shirt. Like, oh, for, yeah. I, I got rock band, and then later that spring, I bought like an Iron Maiden T-shirt and a Nirvana T-shirt. But then there was a new kid that moved to school who became a, a good friend of mine, and he was way fucking metal. Metal <laughs> uh, kid named. And he ended up moving away, and I just lost contact after that. Uh, probably for the better for me, <laughs> at least. Anyway, uh, just. I think we were like Facebook friends. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> calling them out, bro. <laughs> no, I'm trying to be a dick, but like, <laughs> it's just one of those where like, I appreciate what you did for me then, but like, yeah, but, this was, oh yeah. Um, cause he was the only other kid in, in like sixth grade who was like into skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Like, finally, I have another, like, yeah, yeah. You finally, you made that connection yeah, to something that was we were really hanging personal. out and he's just like, here, put these on. And it was, uh, before I forget by Slipknot. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I it's remember over. that song. I thought I my mom would like it when I was in like sixth grade. Mm-hmm. She did not. I remember that song from uh, from Rock Band, like mm. not Rock Band, Guitar Hero. I think it was Guitar yep. Hero three that was on there. Yeah, and I remember loving that song. But well, they I, came out at the same time. I, I never actually got into like to Slipknot. Yeah, like, I'm still to this day like I mean, I, of course, like you know, I like Psychosocial. I like Before I Forget, Snuff. Like I like some of their hits, but like I'm definitely a bigger fan of them than you are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I I could like I like I said, those are probably the three songs I can name. Right. Um. I'm not like through and through because I don't ever just want to be referred to as like a maggot. Like I yeah. hate bands that call their fan bases. Yeah. Names. Like I'm not really into that either. Um, like I've been called a tool as an insult before, but for <laughs> me, I'm like, yeah, they're like the best band ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, in some aspects, I think it's kind of cool because it then really helps your fans. It helps you identify. Um, it makes your fans feel like they're, they're a part of something. I forgot that was a thing until I got free tickets to Knotfest, mm-hmm. And then like uh, my buddy, or our buddy Jake and I went, um, and then it was just like I forgot about it. And we were walking out after the show was over, and some guy just all like maggots for life. I yeah, like, oh, I, I you know actually I'll take back what I said because like 
I, I think I'm a little biased because I do. So I'll, this, this is a band that I will definitely get to, but you know, my favorite band ever, Coheed and Cambria. Um, we all say one among the fence. And so I, I don't know, maybe I'm being biased, but like, I think it's, it's a like little a different thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, we don't, we're not called like, oh, this group of people is called the maggots. It's not like we're called, oh, we're all one. Of, it's just something we kind of say. Like when you say something, we be like, oh, you're one among the fence. Like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think yeah, it's kind of more of like an identifier. Cody and Cambria is a little bit like more fantasy nerdy. Like, cause I, yeah. I'm not, I never really got into them, but like, isn't, it's a story. Like, yeah, all it's all, like, everything's a concept. So that makes sense. It's probably a lyric from something. It is. Or, yeah, yeah. It's a lyric. Yeah. And it's like a lot of tool people always have like eyeball artwork or yeah. tool, tool fans, not tool people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, so like sixth grade, that's when I really started getting into the heavier stuff. I remember getting into like, also in sixth grade, like I thought Godsmack was just like the coolest band ever. Oh yeah. No, I mean like I, like that's another band they, that I never really like, super got into, but like there was, they don't, I don't know, whatever one of their water to me to this day. Mm-hmm. I, that, I remember like uh, Bodies by Drowning Pool. Like, oh they, yeah, that was cool. dude. Everybody still sings that song. Let the bodies yeah. hit the floor. I, so it was like end of sixth grade, probably beginning of seventh grade, like, I think Joe and I went to like Hershey Park or something mm-hmm. and I made the mix CD of like all the just what I thought was the coolest heavy stuff. Uh, it's funny because he's in the laundry room behind us and you can hear this conversation. Hey, Joe. So like I remember that that CD having like the Three Days Grace on it, a lot of Godsmack, Bodies by Drowning Pool. And then like he on the way back had probably had enough of it. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's my turn. <laughs> he's like, check this out. And he puts in Wonder What's Next by Chevelle. Oh. And that starts off with Family System. Yeah. And just that really distant guitar. And then when it kicks in, I was like, this is better. Yeah. This is better. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I had like started really goofing around with music more. I got a bass when I was in fifth grade because I wanted to be Mike Durnt of Green Day. Like, I thought oh, he was yeah, the yeah. Guy. Um, I, it's just a music video that I like one of their music videos I was like that I want to play the bass <laughs> Flea's really cool and it never stuck because the my one buddy um, from middle school that was our friendship was short lived but he was a drummer and we tried to start a band and we were terrible because <laughs> neither of us knew what we were doing but the drums were set up in my grandparents basement so that's awesome I started gravitating towards that more I think in like 7th grade was when I really was like I'm going to give this a shot because I broke my ankle skateboarding mm-hmm probably not gonna be good at this stop playing baseball because my last year was like this kid's throwing f- way too fast and i am <laughs> not ready for not this. identifying with any of these people yeah. like i'm love sports just not i don't identify with athlete culture mm-hmm. yeah i might identify more with it now mm, yeah i think that was one aspect that was probably missing throughout my like formative years was like a sense of competition mm-hmm. i think it was just because i'm always i've always been such like a weird introverted insecure nerd type guy yeah but then like later on in life when that came that kind of stuff like when i started doing jujitsu like that was cool i gotta get back to that like that's that has to happen probably when this quarantine ends i was like there's start rolling down here (laughs) i probably could but oh god i miss it but back to back to music uh, i actually so i kind of skipped the part so i remember i think i was i was in elementary school i think I want to say I was like nine or 10. And I remember that was when I decided, yeah, I want to try playing guitar. And that was when I found out that both my parents were musicians. Up until that point in my life, 
I did not know that either of my parents were musicians. My mom went to college for, for piano and audio engineering back in the 70s or 80s at the University of Miami. Um, they used to have a band together. They'd recorded an album. And so I said that I wanted to play guitar. And so all of a sudden, I had never seen this guitar in my life anywhere in the house. My dad pulls out this custom red Stratocaster that he had had made in the 80s. And I was like, what? You have a guitar? And he starts playing. And I'm like, Oh, you're whoa. good at guitar. I'm like, whoa, what? Like, why have I never seen or heard about this before? And they're like, we just, you know, it's just something we don't really, we never thought to bring it up. But like, yeah. they had done this I'm for years. not going to force it upon you. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the, the amazing things that they did was they never forced anything upon me. Though right. They opened me up to different things and they're like, if you want to do something, we'll support you. And so I can't thank them enough for all that. But yeah, and so I, I started taking a couple guitar lessons at this music store that I actually work at now, which nice. is crazy. But so I took lessons for maybe like a month or two and I was so young. I didn't have the work ethic to practice that. But neither I, did I. I. I put it down and I didn't pick up yeah. guitar again until years later. And we'll get into that later. Yeah, because I got I got a, a mini guitar in like elementary school, and I don't know it was a I it's behind this wall. I haven't gotten rid of it. It's the the the, the Red Squire Junior, like mm -hmm. the short scale one. I don't know if it was just a like because Joe's a guitar player, so this yeah. was before he introduced me to like heavy stuff. I don't know if it was just like a well, let's get Adam a guitar so like you and him can have like a bonding thing outside of just playing video games together yeah. or, or whatnot or watching The Simpsons because that's mm -hmm. what like when Joe and I would hang out. I call it hanging out. I guess it was parental bonding when I was a kid. I don't know if it was like that, like was the achieved goal of like, well, you know, you could teach him a couple of things. Still to this day, 16 years or 18 years later, whatever, however long it has been, um, just guitar doesn't click with me. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe bass. It's got two less strings. <laughs> Simple. Nope. I'm going to play drums. Oh, yeah, the one instrument no parent wants their kid to play. <laughs> it's the one that I'm like, the loudest one. I think I'm going to do this. But also on that, that car ride back from Hershey Park, it started with Chevelle, and then he put on he put on a Seven Dust record. And I was like, equally as cool. Oh, yeah. It's rock rap, kind of like. It's not completely rap, but it's like Rage Against the Machine, that band that I've always liked. And then he also put on toxicity by system of a down and i just remember like oh, yeah. it, it starts abruptly and then you just hear they're trying to build a prison i'm like you you i don't know what that means but they but are right. like all the skateboard music i listen to tells me that that that's what they're singing about <laughs> and this band's doing it too and they're more even like rage against the machine yeah, kind yeah, of like they're, like, they're building the prison band they totally are that, no. that, that, i get it like uh, we're I got grounded the other day. They pulled the prison, man. <laughs> I think I did. I got grounded in like middle school once, and I think I had a stereo in my room. Joe, can, he's walking out of the laundry room. He can confirm. Did I ever play that out of angst? Prison system by System of a Down in my terrible middle school years. Not to my recollection. Oh, I'm, I think I maybe it was just the headphone <laughs> thing. Like, oh, they sure are. <laughs> They're trying to bring me down. The man, the man, and the woman bringing me down. <laughs> yeah, it's just. <laughs> It's weird that the, the, the eras in life when you're awkward that you try to forget about, like the middle school period of your life, everyone wants to forget, but it's the most defining. Oh, yeah. It's to like a lot of the music that I was exposed to back then still holds weight to me now. I had to rediscover it, but it's still yeah. like, oh. And it's not a, like a, oh, I'm blanking on the word. It's not a. Like a sentimental, like, I just want to feel a nostalgic. Yeah. Trip. I don't know why I couldn't think of it, but it's like, oh no, like 
maybe this is just who I was like meant to be as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I, getting into my middle school years with music, I still listen to some of those albums. Like I still will put on City of Evil and mm-hmm. Waking the Fallen by Avenged Sevenfold, and I still, I still think they're great. It there is sent there is sentimentality there, um, and there is nostalgia, but I also just still think those are great records. And so, Avenged yeah. Sevenfold, when I got into them, uh, then I remember getting into disturbed i remember yep. when the uh, new metal my the, uh, i was going to transition into my new metal phase yeah yep. my buddy uh my buddy Rainus, he was super into metal and he really influenced me into getting more into the heavy stuff and so even though i don't think disturbed is really that heavy compared to some of the stuff i listen to now oh no for that time it was heavy oh, absolutely I was. remember the indestructible record came out that was actually the first one that i heard that had like indestructible and also like a fire uh fire inside or something like that yeah. like devin won't go to heaven she's just another lost soul that that record that whole record, and then I remember then going back to their back catalog and finding, of course, Down With The Sickness. I remember whenever, I think I think it was like late, like eighth grade or maybe ninth grade, I got my first cell phone, and I remember you could change the ringtone. I was in seventh grade. Mine was uh, BYOB by System of a Down. My ringtone was, uh, ooh, ah, 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 nice. of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I think everybody did that. Along that time, was like, that's also when I first like started getting into corn. Yeah, that was around the same time when I got disturbed. That was when I got into corn. I, I, another animated music video. Who would have thought? Oh, like, yeah. I don't know why that's a trend in my life, but yeah, when he just starts speaking gibberish it, in, in uh, <laughs> Freak on a Leash, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like yeah. "Oh yeah, yeah, I can get." But get then, down like, to this. <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about this for the entire an, an hour now, because um, it's funny. I don't know if it's like that simple psychological thing of like if you tell someone they can't do it, they're more likely to want to do it. Oh yeah. Cause we like, we also had a computer in the basement. So like after school, I would like watch music videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I just always remember, like, I remember as a kid, I wasn't allowed to listen to this band called Limp Biscuit, but no <laughs> one's home. So I'm going to listen to it. And I, I remember it vividly. It was because significant other, the CD with the, um, it's got the dude in the mask, like in the hoodie. Yeah. It was in my uncle's room. And I think, uh, when we all lived with my grandparents, um, like the the computer was in his room as well, and I was like, I want to listen to this CD. And my mom was like, Oh no, no. <laughs> you can't listen to that. And I was like, Make a note, Adam. Yes, yeah, one my, day. Surprisingly, my parents never really restricted me from listening to anything. They were probably kinda... good that a first grader wasn't listening to <laughs> Significant Other by Limp Bizkit. Yeah. But now, as an adult, I probably appreciate Limp Bizkit more than most people yeah i'm not like i don't ever want to rep them but i listen to them on the weekly Dude, like i'm not a shit like they're they're a fun band we covered uh break stuff on new year's and people we were like well we, we picked that song we're like yo let's people because we did it. well because we did a we did a 90s night for actually like a week before new year's and so we're like oh of course we'll pull out limb biscuit it's 90s people are gonna get down to it and like at that point, we weren't super concerned, but we're like, people got down. We're like, see, it's kind of like Nickelback, too. We're like, people say they don't like it, but you put on Rockstar or This Is How You Remind Me, and everybody will start singing it, dude. Like, when you're at the bar and everyone's drunk, and so we were like, oh, man. And so we decided to play it New Year's, and people got down to break stuff. I'm just really happy I'm starting to ditch that, like, I can't listen to it because people won't think I'm cool. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, screw that. I've never been cool. Yeah. I've always tried to not be cool, I guess. Like what the fuck? Like yeah, their Limp Biscuits production value is better than average. Mm-hmm. Their songs are catchy, and they got some like bump to them where you uh, feel yeah. like you can jump, and you're like, oh yeah, like we all remember the first time John Otto took us to the Matthews Bridge. <laughs> Still one of my favorite drum intros. Like I oh yeah, it's not 
I don't listen to their lyrics. I'm like, I've learned something about oh, myself yeah, no. today. Like, oh, that's what he means. Like, they're fun party songs. Yeah. I call them party songs. And apparently, like, everyone's like, he seems like such a douchebag being Fred Durst. Like, I've heard that he's, like, one of the nicest guys. He's just... I'd love to meet him. He's, he's got to be trolling people. Like... Oh, yeah. He knows. Yeah. He knows. He's, I think you he's follow him on Instagram, enough. and he's just posting dumb... Like, he posts pictures of, like, vintage station wagons. I was like, this guy gets it. Like, yeah, he, I... I think it's a character. I think yeah. he knows. I think he's probably a lot lot chiller and a lot more down to earth than people would think. But we talked about it last time. Like, I want to hang out with the yoga smoothie guy more than, like, the dark, tortured artist. Like, I'd hang mm-hmm. out. I'd, like, Fred Durst, with his persona, like, if he rolls into the bar you're at, you're like, oh. Yeah, this will be fun. This will be a fun time. Like, if the tortured artist walks in, you're like, ah. You're like, oh, we are going to ruin some stuff. Frank's here. All right. Sorry, to any potential listeners named Frank, which is the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> but I can, getting now into like seventh grade, I remember the first, this was probably the first band that I can really truly remember having a major emotional impact on me. And that was the Phobia record by Breaking Benjamin. I don't know if that had already been out it for a out, while. It was out, yeah. It was out, but I remember finding that record. Um, and that that record, I think it was the end of seventh grade year. And I remember like, I had had this crush on this girl and I was too scared to talk to her. It was like the Dude, last day of school and story. we had like a field day thing. Yep. And I was like, I got to go talk to her. I got to go talk to her. And then I didn't. And so I was like so mad at myself. And then I started, I started really kind of then exploring those feelings of like, of confidence and insecurity. And you know, it's kind of, sounds kind of silly for a seventh grader, but that was my first time ever really kind of having that feeling of like, okay, like what does it mean to, to be confident? What are these feelings that I'm dealing with? And so then yeah. listening to that record, it was like, whoa, man. Like I started, you know, I connect even more to it now that I'm an adult. Um, right. But it was definitely, that was the first time where music started really having a, a, a conscious emotional impact on me where I could really register what I was feeling and why I was feeling it. And so that record, still to this day, and it sounds great. Those guitar tones are fucking huge it's, it's a good time right i i had a similar story it was seventh grade and we had the field day thing and there was there's a, a young gal and she was like the cool metal mm-hmm. like i even remember in like elementary school she had like the the baggy pants with the chains on them and her and her best friend like had slipknot shirts on but we were in like different parts of the school in mm-hmm. like sixth grade or whatever but then i was like well you know me being the insecure nerd guy like i never was like nah she's too cool for whatever the hell this thing is <laughs> but i remember i was like all right like last day of seventh grade i'm like yeah like this this can be a, like and I'd, I'd never made my move and i was like well i'm just gonna get fucking metal mm-hmm. and then eighth grade rolls around and she's like preppy and sporty i was like fuck i spent this whole summer getting metal dude oh my god the same thing happened that girl that i had a crush on she ended up she was like super goth emo yep and then i remember like we got into high school and she became super preppy i thought it was really funny it was I felt, the, one <laughs> I felt betrayed. I felt betrayed. Yeah. Like, whoa. But, but I yet. start pushing my fingers into my eyes. <laughs> and now you're wearing a 303 shirt? Get out of my, <laughs> my country. Oh, my God. 303. I remember when they came out. Let's not talk about that. But, um, I, yeah. It was I, first day of eighth grade. I was like, my life's over. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember having that, 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 not dilemma, but. All the people that I was hanging out with, I was a sports guy. I was pl- I was playing basketball all the time. I was playing lacrosse, um, and so like all those guys were all listening to whatever was on like the the mainstream like pop and then, I'll air quote rap at the time. But like I remember 
that the rap that I was into, nobody else was into because my, like I said earlier about my cousin and the Backstreet Boys, he's actually a rapper these days. He lives in New York City. He's, he's doing the grind. And he was always into like the, the original stuff, you know, like what I'm into. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember him telling me like, yo, you got to listen to this, this, uh, it's called the Black Album by Jay-Z. You got to listen to, uh, to Nas. You got to listen to, um, to most deaf and uh, oh, Biggie Def. Smalls, Tupac, all those guys, Wu Tang, yeah. even going back further, like Public Enemy, mm-hmm. NWA, like, and so like I was that stuff. It never really had like a huge emotional impact on me, but I really liked it. It was not like yeah, I my, didn't get into it until the transition between junior year of high school and senior year of high school. But we'll get to that. We still have yeah. three more. So I remember that in middle school because that's when he because he was two years older than me, so yeah. he was like in high school that time, and he started discovering that stuff and was like always telling me about it. And I was like, oh man, I really really dig this. And do you remember when Lincoln Park and Jay Z did that collab album? Yeah, that was crazy. That I was didn't like, get into that until later because I was yeah. always just not a rap guy. Like outside mm-hmm. of the Beastie Boys, yeah, like from from birth. Until like mm-hmm. later years in high school, uh, like the Beastie Boys were the only rap yeah. I listened to. No, I listened I, to a I lot think of that because all the stuff. kids that were like, I've all like music has always been my sole like identifying thing. Oh yeah, and same I, here. My passion for it leads that I probably should be better at playing it than I am, but whatever. Um, all of the people that were into rap were just people I didn't want to be yeah associated with, and it's weird to have those thoughts even at a young age no I, just, I i had those feelings too i think that was one of my challenges like, well i don't that, like you so this is like right wing like clicks start forming in the middle school era so it's like well where do i belong yeah <laughs> and i never like i think it's because i one i'm just in like an introverted dude or at least i thought i was like i might actually be more extroverted than i've been giving myself credit for i, I just, think so for the longest time i couldn't escape the four walls of my own head yeah like and that dawned on me like six months ago and I'm 24. Like I'm happy it did. Like it's going to be for the better, but Gettysburg was very clicky. Mm-hmm. So I never really fit in. Cause like I wasn't cool enough for like the actual like metal and punk kids. There weren't any other real like punk kids, but like the skateboarders were just mean mm-hmm. and I like couldn't really hang out with them. And they didn't want to talk about like baseball stats or football. Cause that's always been like, I've always liked watching sports. Yeah. Like, so like I couldn't really talk to them about it. And then I couldn't really talk to like the jocks about like the music, the you skateboarding were into, the soundtracks yeah. and like, Oh, well like, have you ever listened to like the devil wears Prada? Cause that was my favorite <laughs> band in seventh grade. Oh, yeah. Like just any of those singing screamy bands with the obnoxiously graphic t-shirts that were mm. the coolest hot topic sensation like that's what i that's what i was in middle school yeah yeah like i had i think that was one of my my biggest challenges for my for me and in finding out who i was so i had was just that. had my small clique of outcasts like where like we were all nerdy dudes who none of us like after we graduated we just stopped talking to each other but like in those years like we didn't have a whole lot in common but we were like well everybody else kind of sucks yeah. Maybe we sucked. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I couldn't, growing up, like I couldn't, I didn't really figure this out when, we'll talk more about this when I get, when we get into the high school years, but that was like, I had that same problem. It was like, the people that I'm associating with aren't connecting on one of these things that's really important to me, which was music. And like, 
the rest of my like my my core being was music. You know, I always loved listening to music, everything that I did, but I didn't play it at the time. I wasn't involved in it. But it was this thing that just meant so much to me. But I never had any friends really. I mean, I had like I had maybe like one or two where we could connect on some stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't the same thing for them. It was me. Like they listened to this one group of like this one band or this two bands where I was always like, well, what about this and this band and this record? And it was like I never had anybody like that, and I couldn't reconcile reconcile my my social life and my just my external life with what was going on inside. Like Same that, thing, yep. This is what music means to me, but I didn't know how to make my life reflect that up in, until I got to a point in high school, which we'll get to. But See, I didn't hit that until like recent, like in, I think mm-hmm. until I went to audio school was when that, like, yeah. that clicked. But yeah, in eighth grade, that was, that was when things started turning because in, in seventh grade, after getting into like Nirvana, that's like, and like learning that like Kurt had died. And I'm like, well, did, like, did they make more music? And they're like, well, that's where the Foo Fighters came from. Uh, and yeah. I was like, oh, shit. You're like, I got to check this like, out. I remember some of their songs. Um, and then, like, that's when that's when the Foo Fighters started hitting, like, close to home. And, like, I was like, oh, no, this is better than Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, it's really, speaking of the Foo Fighters, you know how I feel about them. Yeah. But it's really funny because I remember growing up, and my mom loves the Foo Fighters. So they, like, I was playing all the time. And, like, I think I remember, like, one song that I kind of liked was, like, Monkey Wrench. They're probably, like, um, the classic rock to me, to you, where, like, it's just always yeah. been there, so it wasn't. Yeah, and, and it's I, like I discovered them sort and of. And it's weird to me that I don't that I don't have a connection and I don't really love them that much because like I did I did start to I did like a lot of the music that my parents played, but that was one band that I really never got into. It never did I, anything I for foo me. I foo-fightered myself out. I have the worst Foo Fighters tattoo. Like <laughs> I still I still love and appreciate them. Like they were they were always my favorite band in the middle school and high school. Like seventh grade through like 11th grade was like my peak like Foo Fighters were my favorite band uh, they're still a top 10 for me and like to me they don't do it for me from a philosophical standpoint which is I, this, the phase of my life that I'm in now like, the, like philosophical lyrics mm-hmm. mean a lot to me oh, like yeah. that's my new kind of kick but if I just want to fucking rock out like oh, I'm, yeah, they're I'm, great putting, for that. I'm putting the Foo Fighters on like I mean I would if somebody gave me a ticket or said, "Hey, do you want to go see the Foo Fighters with me?" Hell yeah, because yeah, I would. They're a great band. Yeah, they would be an amazing performance. But it's just like, I when I was listening to music, everything was like I listened to full albums. Like when I picked I'm up a same, record, it was yeah. like I was not. Once I got I'm in not the middle, a song guy. Yeah, and I'm an album guy. I still am it. to this day, and it's like so with the Foo Fighters. I could only ever get into like one or two songs. I'd listen to an album. It was just like they're it, they're kind of that way for me too. Mm-hmm. They've never been a band outside of. They they have three or four records out of the collective ones that they've done. I'm like front to back. I'm like I'm content with having this on. But they're the Foo Fighters for me are a playlist band. Yeah. And luckily live they play the playlist that you want to hear. Yeah. So I'd love to see them live. You know, Um, because it'd be amazing. Yeah, they're kind of my outlier in terms of like, like the Foo Fighters and Slipknot are the bands for me that are like I like four to five songs an album, and those four to five songs are fucking great. Yeah, yeah I, don't so care. Can, I don't care about that. You can the consider them more five. of a, a playlist band yeah. of yours. Um, so I want to get into high school now because that's. I have one more band more? to talk right. about. Yeah, yeah, you do that then. It was first. eighth grade. First concert I ever went to, Muse. Ah, that must have been insane. Yeah, it was on the. Um, oh my. Uh, the Resistance Tour because Uprising had just come out. Hell yeah. And that was. That set the bar high for live shows. Mm-hmm. Like. It was 
The first concert I actually saw was in elementary school, and I, I forgot to mention him um, because he doesn't, he's not really, I kind of grew out of it, but I remember American Idol. Mm-hmm. used to love watching American Idol. And oh, we all did as children. I, well, when I want to say it was like season four, Chris Daughtry. Okay. I followed him. He was, he was my guy because I was like, this dude's a rock and roller. So I remember when his first album came out, bought it, loved it, and that was the first concert I went to. It was uh, Theory of a Dead Man opening up for Chris Daughtry. Okay, so and I got it really into Theory, in the de- theory of a Dead Man at that point in time. Also Nickelback. Nickelback was huge for me as a kid too. I loved those guys. Still love them. Looking back, all right, so Muse was the first concert that I, like, intentionally was, like, stoked to go see. Mm-hmm. I went on a trip out west with my with my grandmother, my grandfather, and one of my grandmother's friends uh, between 7th and 8th grade. Like, right when the awkward emo emotional phase hits every human being. So mm-hmm. I'm sure I was just a fucking drag on that entire <laughs> trip. But I remember our... I th- I think we stopped, like, our first stop was in Memphis, Tennessee, and we stayed there for a couple of days. And, like, I just remember walking down the street and just, like, hearing all these ripping blues bands. And I was like, this, this is cool. Um, but so the, the first concert I ever attended was a free one in South Dakota, and it was Glenn Campbell. <laughs> oh, Didn't awesome. appreciate it at the time. And now I just look back because uh, Maynard from Tool, one of his uh, side project bands, Pussifer, like they Love started them. as a joke band and they have a song called Country Boner where he's just talking Great about song. sodomizing all these country stars. And uh, I laugh when I discover that song because one of the lines is, uh, I fornicated Glenn Campbell. I fornicated <laughs> him on a seesaw. I'm like, that was technically my first concert that I forgot that was my first concert. Oh but like God. the first one was like, we're taking you to a show. I was like, was me. Yeah, it was a birthday gift. That's crazy. My birthday gift in eighth grade is that was oh, insane yeah and i was all about muse for a while and then like six months later they wrote that song for twilight i'm like they're Did going they? I don't yeah i was like they're going downhill for this <laughs> and i don't know if it was a terrible song and we uh just the family in the down in the quarantine downtime we've been uh it's been nice we've been going through the gettysburg battlefield like day by day mm-hmm. like on uh walks and uh yesterday we did day two part two we broke it up into days because just logistics of the, the battle. The battle wasn't fought in a very logistical, <laughs> convenient way for hiking manner. Uh, can't fault them. Uh, so Joe and I were talking about Muse. I was like, were they terrible? Or was I just angry that I was this cool, all black wearing skater, emo nerd guy. And they just wrote the song for the, girly vampire movie yeah the most mainstream film for our age at that time period and no they've just always been (laughs) their (laughs) production is great and they're a great experimental band uh one middle school band that i got heavy into in sixth grade we were talking about like how i've never been cool metal Mm -hmm. it's like i got really into bullet for my valentine for like three years i went to see them live in eighth grade too mom and joe took me to see that it was probably not one of their fondest moments (laughs) i thought it was cool i saw them live in ninth grade that was amazing yeah on the fever tour yeah, that was did the one. Did you see them yeah. at Ram's Head? No, I saw them at Jiffy Lube Live. Oh, never mind. I'll get to that concert. I was like, man, did we go to the same show before <laughs> we knew each other existed? No, but that was a pivotal concert for me. I'll get into that. But um, I also forgot to mention two. I've been thinking about bands, and so I, I forgot to mention two really important artists to me. So one of the artists that was always played throughout my entire life, my mom's favorite artist, um, and love of her life besides my father. <laughs> and yourself. What, and myself, yes. 
David Bowie. Ah, uh, and I was, so David I was Bowie, wondering because I knew you were a Bowie guy. I was wondering yeah. when he came into play. Just he was always there, mm-hmm. just always there, always liked him. He's the petty and Phil Collins to yeah, me. Yeah, I didn't really truly start like heavily identifying with him until I got a little bit older into high school. Um, but he was always played, and I always loved it. You know, my mom had the greatest yeah. hits, had Ziggy Stardust, had Aladdin Sane, um, all just all the all the hits. And so like I, he was always there. But another really key artist that I didn't know would be so important to me until I got older and started playing music myself. I think I was. I want to say I was in like middle school and me and my dad went to Walmart to get some CDs. We're like, hey, let's go buy some CDs. And my dad saw, he was like, oh my God, son, you got to check this out. It was Frank Zappa's apostrophe. And he was like, son, son, bear with me. You got to check this out. Because my dad, that's probably one of my dad's all time favorite artists is Frank Zappa. He put that on, and it's crazy because my whole family likes that record. I remember recently going to a family party, and they put that on, and all my drunk family members were like, don't eat the yellow snow. They were just losing. I was like, wait, my aunts and uncles like that too? They're like, my dad's like, dude, we all loved this. Like, this is what we got high to and jammed to. And so I remember listening to that record. Interesting. And hearing this experimental, wacky, technical, just like, what is going on? And just being like confused, but also like, I get it. I didn't know, I didn't. I couldn't, right. I couldn't put it into words, but it made sense. It that just, was, it clicked something on inside of me that was like, I get this. It was right, because we're talking about the end of middle school, right beginning to high school. I went to the Vans Warped Tour. Yeah. Rest in peace. To see all of the shitty, screamy emo bands that I was into that like, none of them hold weight to me anymore. Yeah. So I, I don't even like, I was that, we talked about it. Like any band that had obnoxiously vibrant graphics on the front yep like not even attack, violent attack. yeah <laughs> like all that shit yeah. like I, none of it holds weight to me anymore yeah. so i don't feel the need to really talk about it. like i identified with that for like eight months or whatever mm-hmm. so i went to see them um nothing good was on any of the stages because it was that weird like van like it was when warp tour started getting not it was like, that getting shifting. away from the roots mm-hmm. of it it was that moment where they started shifting to a little bit more of like so, the weird mainstream kind of stuff. Alkaline Trio was on the bill and three bands on the afternoon slot. I was like, I'm not leaving because I want to see these three bands. Well, not, I didn't want to, but the three bands I saw on the main stage that day, Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, yes. They're one of those bands to me. They're like, what Zappa was to you, they are to me. I'm like, I don't get it, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to put it into words, and I but it's doing like, something. Do you care to guess the band that was on the stage before Alkaline Trio? Thrice. Nope. No. Every Time I Die. Oh. Hadn't heard How did I know? Didn't know. I know? Didn't know anything about them. It was just two bands I'd never heard of, but like, I want to be, I want a good stand-in spot for yeah. the trio. Oh, my life changed that day. I bet. Like, I know how much you love uh, Every Time I Die. Yeah, they're, they're a top five. They're yeah. You drove all the way to Buffalo to see them recently, right? Yep, in December. I went to yeah. Tid the Season. Wearing the hoodie right now. Yeah. Represent. Going again this year. It's going to be awesome. Great. Made some I, might have to, I might have to go with you. Worth it. Even if you're not a super fan. I to still the like them. Yeah, I'm am. not a like, super fan, If you're going to see like them, yeah. see them in Buffalo. On back yeah. Like, oh, it was insane. You guys should, you should grow your band to try to get on the bill. Because yeah. they, they have, not, I don't mean this in a, a negative way, no, but they no. have up-and-coming bands yeah i can uh, i'll look into that you know unfortunately with the coronavirus stuff right yeah. now we're we're getting ready to release a new record i guess we'll talk about us for a little bit since yeah. we segued into this that. is a good break to uh 
but uh, we we did a we just did a new EP last year, and we've been getting that all fixed, uh, all finalized, and stuff like that. And so now we're in the stage of where we got that, and um, we're trying to to work with some promotional agencies and kind of shop it out. And so we we were starting to do that. We got some contacts. We started making mm-hmm. some some connections, but then now everything non-essential in like New York and like New York and California where a lot of these places are that we're talking, everything is like for the most part shut down. And like, even the guys are still responding. They're like, I can't really like do much for you much right now. And so we're kind of on hold with everything, which is kind of okay. You know, it gives us a little more time because one of the things about our last record that we released two years ago was that it was such a long, grueling process to finish that due to, to member changes, studio changes, just a lot of stuff that would, by the time we had that done, we just released it. We didn't have any kind of lead up or promo, which was a mistake, but it was a learning experience. So this time we're like- You're just so excited to- We were just so excited to finally have it done and finally have our vision out there. We just wanted to get it out well, there. That was a weird, breaking away from the topic of the day, like that was a weird phase in our, in our respective lives, just- between the two of us, like both of our lives, it was that weird first like adulthood really just gonna like. Oh yeah, there was that first time that adulthood really kind of kicked us in the ass with yeah. just with a little bit of everything about plans not working out, visions not working out, just kind of crappy people and like, yeah. wow, okay, wow, you can really get screwed over in life. Yeah, because we became really good friends for through going to audio school together, but like we really bonded because I think both of our like initial attempts in the pro audio industry did not go the way we wanted to like oh, yeah. at the same time. So mm-hmm. we would just hang out and be bummed. Out yeah. We together. both got like really knocked down. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So with, with this record, you know, we're kind of like, you know what? We're not worrying about it. We'll be patient. If we can't release it till the end of the year, whatever, you know, we're not big enough where like there's tons of people clamoring for it. Like when's it going to be this? I mean, we've got a good amount of people that are hitting us up all the time. Like, yo dude, when's going to be out? But it's not like we're not, um, we're not beholden to anybody. We're not beholden to a label or any kind of contract where it's like, you have to get this out in a certain time. So it's like, hey, you know, we're trying to put out content. We're trying to keep people updated. But it's like, this record will come out, it comes out because it's like, we want to do it right. Yeah. You know, we want to get the promotion right. We want to get it out to as many people because in the record industry, you know, it's like, you only have a time frame of when a record drops to when it's still marketable. Yep. You know, you got a couple months where you can get your your press releases, your interviews, your streams and stuff like that to get a really big push. And then it kind of trickles down from there. And so you got to have that that takeoff be just huge. And so we want to make sure that we do that right. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at with that. I but, mean, um, I thought when you released your initial record doing it on Cinco de Mayo, but changing it to Cinco, Cinco de, de Marzi. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And, and you know, I we, we did do some promotion, but it was all, I'll call it in-house. It was all yeah, just no, our own kind of ideas. Where now we're trying to get, hey, we're going to release a record on this day. You yeah. Yeah, so now we're trying to get the actual professional. I bought one. It's good. I was, uh, I got a shout out on that record that I didn't even know was there because I just bought the CD from you and made you sign (laughs) it and just hung it up in my, uh, in my room. And then my one, one of my friends who I worked with at the time was like, I guess I bought one for him, I think. And he's like, did you know that you're like in the album? Like in the, yeah, you're in the credits. I was like, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> don't lie to me like I know I'm having a bad day I don't know because I remember when we were getting the mixes back I wanted I wanted somebody I wanted to, I wanted somebody's ears who who hadn't written the music and that could you know be a little more constructive and I remember having you come over and you're like honestly I would I would say make this change or this change or like I do like this a lot like can you make this a vibe that's kind of on more of the songs and so and we took those notes and so a lot of your, your a lot of your critiques and notes were put into place on the final mixes and it made it so much better. And so I was like, you need a credit on the album because well, you, you gave us a really important feedback. That's why we work well together, I think. And why I was really excited to have this conversation is because we're opposite 
tastes in terms of core tastes. Like we have yeah. a lot of overlapping similarities. We're like, you know, there's bands that we haven't even talked about yet that like you really love that I'm like, yeah, I, I like this song and that song and like that production thing's cool, but like, it's not me. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then most of the stuff that I'm into, I'm like, check this out. And you're like, well, it, I like this. I like that. Yeah. Like we can respect cool. it. We can see why we like it, but it just doesn't connect for us. Right. Cause we're, we're two individual people. And we're also that same way with engineering. That's one yeah. of the things that I love is that like, we both have very different tastes in engineering. And I think that really helps because like, I know it at least adds in, just enough of that outside influence where it's unique to the genre and sound that you're going for, or that yeah. I'm going for, mm -hmm. that I would have never thought to do because it's not in my list of like go-to records that are my references. That yeah, we, we haven't even same, touched on those yet. The same thing for me. Like I've brought you in on certain projects, and I'm like, hey, I'm looking to do this, but this is not my my main forte. How would you go about doing this? And then you give me these ideas, and you help me out, and then I go to then do, and I'm like, oh wow, now I'm kind of then adding more of my flavor, but then Adam's influence is in there, so it's kind of creating something really new that otherwise yeah. wouldn't have been there. So now we're going to enter high school. Yes, I'm excited about this. This is the defining moment this in my life. It, well, because this is when I first started joining bands. We're an hour and a half in, and I need to relieve myself because yeah, I we can, drank uh, too much coffee. So let's so take a quick... Take a quickie. Yeah, and then talk about the high school era. All righty. <laughs> 